You are listening to Sermon Snippets with Max Taylor, where we exposit God's Word and apply its instruction to our everyday lives. As we study God's Word, we are learning truth that corrects our thinking, meets our needs, and teaches us more about Christ. Here's your host, Max Taylor. Well, we made it into the 18th part of this study before I had kind of a raspy throat and some sniffles left over from a cold. So I'm sorry that you have to listen to this. I got a little sick over the weekend and I've been pushing off recording this podcast until the last possible minute, hoping that my voice would get a little bit better. And believe it or not, it is better than it was. So hopefully next week we'll be back to normal and you won't have to listen to kind of a scratchy throat. But we're still in Daniel, and this is yet another one of the visions that the amazing prophetic book of Daniel gives us. And this is a personal account told by King Nebuchadnezzar, of all people. So this is his personal testimony, and last week we just barely got into this. We looked at his introduction, we looked at some of the, some of the information that he told Daniel about his dream Now we're getting into the interpretation of this vision, what it actually means. And I just wanted to re-emphasize from last week, you know, what, what is in a testimony? How important is your testimony? And I would say you can't, you can't put a value on it. You can't put a price tag on it. There's a lot of things you could tell people about the Lord about the Bible. There's a lot of things you could tell your coworkers, your friends, you know, your lost loved ones, lost people in the community that you know. But I would say there's nothing as important that you could tell them about God and about um, how we can come to know God, about your walk with God, than your own personal testimony. There's nothing quite like that. There's nothing that, that can compare to that. Telling them your story of how you went from being lost in your sin to being right with God through Christ and and that journey that you took personally, how you came to repent and how you realized that God is the only true God, the only source of hope and forgiveness and that you just surrender your life to him and you realize that he is the one that's in control And however that looks like for you, your personal testimony, I just want to encourage you to share that with people. There's no one story that's going to be quite like yours. You know, your story, your salvation testimony, that's going to be a unique account just to you. And instead of, you know, telling people maybe doctrinal things or or bringing out arguments, you know, or uh, proofs for the validity of scripture and for, you know, the existence of God or something like that, share your testimony with someone. That's what's going to make the most difference, the greatest difference in someone's life. So I just want to encourage you, a testimony is invaluable. So use your testimony. Don't ever get, you know, comfortable with your testimony. Don't ever let it get old. Um, Rehearse it. Tell it to people. Share that with with your family and with with people who don't know the Lord, and even with people who do. Share it with your church family. Share it with other believers. Encourage them in how you came to know the Lord. That's what Nebuchadnezzar is doing in this chapter. In his own hand, as it were, writing this account of how he 
was made right with God. And he had a very hard lesson to learn. We're going to get into that this week. Um, Again, just excuse me if I have a little bit of a sniffle here. So we're going to start reading in verse 20 here, Daniel chapter 4 still. So we're going to read from verse 20 all the way down to verse 28. So the Bible says, and this is, again, this is Daniel speaking here about this dream. We're jumping right into his interpretation here. He's already given the credit to the Lord. He didn't take that for himself. He um, minimized his own knowledge, and he basically reminds the king that God has the answer um, to give to give to the king. And, and this is the message that God wants to give him. So starting in verse 20. He says, the tree that thou sawest, which grew and was strong, whose height reached unto the heaven and the sight thereof to all the earth, whose leaves were fair and the fruit thereof much, and in it was meat for all, under which the beasts of the field dwelt and upon whose branches the fowls of the heaven had their habitation. It is thou, O king, thou art grown and become strong for thy greatness is grown and reacheth unto heaven, and thy dominion to the end of the earth. And whereas the king saw a watcher and holy one coming down from heaven, and saying, Hew the tree down and destroy it. Yet leave the stump of the roots thereof in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass, and the tender grass of the field, and let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let his portion be with the beasts of the field, till seven times pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king. And this is the decree of the Most High, which is come upon my Lord the King, that they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make thee eat grass as oxen, and they shall wet thee with the dew of the heaven, and seven times shall pass over thee, till thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. And whereas they commanded to leave the stump, Of the tree roots, thy kingdom shall be sure unto thee, after that thou shalt know that the heavens do rule. Wherefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable unto thee, and break off thy sins by righteousness, and thine iniquities by showing mercy to the poor, if it may be a lengthening of thy tranquility. And verse 28 tells us, And all this came upon the king Nebuchadnezzar. So let's start off by just looking at these, each of these elements of the vision th- that the king saw. First off, we see this tree, and that's really the main focus of this vision. This, the tree is described as having strength, having an abundance of fruit, that all the animals of the earth come under its shelter that it provides, and all the fowls of the heaven rest in its branches. And David tells Nebuchadnezzar, or I'm sorry, Daniel tells Nebuchadnezzar, he says, this is you. You are are this tree. And this tree is a depiction of your kingdom. So the meaning of the tree is the king's greatness over the earth, how his influence had spread and he had that strength. He was well known and his uh, reputation reached unto all over the earth. And so basically how he had an effect on everything under heaven. So he is this tree. And that was a very accurate description 
of Nebuchadnezzar at this time, the most powerful world ruler possibly who's ever existed, but especially at this point in time, he was the most powerful ruler on earth at this time. And so this tree represents him, but then there's this messenger that comes down and he announces that the tree is to be cut down and to be destroyed. But the stump is to be left. They're, they're supposed to put a band of iron and brass around the, the stump and the roots were to be left in the earth until seven times pass over. That's seven years. And he says the tender grass of the field is going to be there with this tree stump as it's left in the ground. It's going to be covered with dew and it's just going to be basically sitting there in the same place with the beasts of the field until seven years are passed. And so then Daniel just gives the interpretation to the king. He says, basically, you are this tree and you are going to be uh, humbled. You're going to be lowered until seven years pass over. And he doesn't tell exactly what this means, but he says that your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field and they shall make you to eat grass as oxen and they shall wet thee with the dew of heaven for seven years. And he says, basically, until you understand that the most high ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whosoever he will. And we looked at that last week, how that is the message. That's the, that's what God intends to get across to Nebuchadnezzar here. So that's why this is happening. And Daniel doesn't go into a lot of details of as to when this is going to happen or how it's going to take place. But he basically tells him the interpretation of the dream. And he tells him straightforward. He tells him exactly what it, what is going to happen. Um, and, and the meaning of each of the elements of this vision. And he tells him the, the main takeaway is that God is in control of kingdoms. The kingdom is not Nebuchadnezzar's. So that's the main message here is what is required for Nebuchadnezzar to get right with God. It requires that he humble himself and realize that he is not the one who's in charge of the universe, that he's not the one who's in charge of the world. It requires to sorrow over his sin. That's something that he had to do in order to recognize God's position and his position and in order for him to come under God's authority. And then he had to humble himself. Um, So all these things are part of the message to Nebuchadnezzar. And then I love that, that Daniel gives his own advice to the king. He says, you know, he basically begs the king. He says, please accept this counsel that I'm going to give you, you know, break off your sins. So he's saying, repent of your sin by righteousness. And he says, instead of your iniquities, show mercy. You know, and he says, maybe God will extend grace to you and he will uh, take away this tranquility. It will take away your sin. Um, And then we read the very next verse says, all this came upon the king. Now, I do want to point out a part of this vision that is truly miraculous. And as we're going to see it unfold, as we look into the king who basically goes insane, we're going to see that next week, what actually happens to him. But the miracle here is that his kingdom remained intact. So here's this king 
over the most powerful kingdom and he gets completely removed from the equation. But yet, after seven years of him just being absent from his kingdom, not being there, there wasn't, you know, a coup of the government, that there wasn't someone who took over, there wasn't, you know, his rival took his place or his servants took over the kingdom. God preserved his kingdom for him for seven years. And so after this experience that Nebuchadnezzar goes through, when he comes back, just as this vision says, the kingdom was restored to him. You know, it was always sitting there for him, waiting for him. And that's unparalleled in human history. That has never happened with any government or any kingdom. But that's what happens here. This is real history. This is what happened to the kingdom of Babylon back in Daniel's day. Um, So that is wild to think about. Um, Definitely a miracle that only the Lord could have done. But really the takeaway from this is, as Daniel implores the king at the end, he says, please show mercy instead of your iniquity. But what we can take away from this entire vision is God's mercy on the king. That God pursued Nebuchadnezzar to the point of giving him visions, to the point of letting him see Daniel's friends go through the fiery furnace and his protection there. God encountered Nebuchadnezzar over and over again to show him his sin and to show him that, hey, it's not you, Nebuchadnezzar, that's in control. It is me. And he's reminding the king, you have to repent. You have to come to me acknowledging your sin, turning from your sin, and submitting yourself to me as Lord, as the Most High who rules in the kingdom of men, the most powerful king, the most powerful authority in heaven and on earth. So God's mercy is pretty amazing. And we're going to see how this continues in the life of Nebuchadnezzar next week. Thank you for listening to Sermon Snippets. If this Bible study is a help to you, consider downloading the weekly episodes or sharing this podcast with a friend. Until next time, remember that God's word is perfect and it's everything you need to live for him.